Hello and welcome to Fox Solution. <laughs> Everything's weird. Everything's different. Excuse me. Hello. And welcome to Boxed On Included, the show looking at geek culture and the media we love and loathe from a queer perspective. I'm Hamish Jonesing Steele. And I'm Justin the Ringing Ridley. And no, Jade has not suddenly sprouted an Australian accent out of thin air. I am doing an episode with my husband, Justin. Yay. That was him, sounding very, very enthusiastic about being on this show. Well, I'd much rather be watching uh, a marble, but... Uh, <laughs> well, that's what we're going to... things gonna, I do for love. That's part of what we're going to be talking about. Um, a few episodes ago, Jay did an a episode with their sibling, Amber, which I thought was really, really cool. And uh, we have still not been able to uh, meet up to record a few episodes for you guys. So um, I'm doing the same thing, except uh, both of my siblings are straight as hell. So... I'm doing it with Justin. Who is definitely not straight. No. The only thing straight about him is... I'm a straight up bitch. Yes. Anyway, um, yeah, we're going to talk about uh, geekiness and the geeky passions that we share and the ones that we don't. Um, And we're going to be talking about how we think our queerness, which I know is not, it's actually a word you don't like isn't it? Oh, I'm coming around to it. But, uh... but we've, ta- we've talked before about the word, because it, it is the Q-slur. Um, we used it in the, in the first episode, we talked a lot about it and how we're just using it for brevity's sake and the fact that it is mm, coming around to be more universally used. Um, and some people really like it because it's, it's purposely vague, but I do understand its history. Um, but yes, we'll be trying to talk a little bit about how that relates to our passions. Um, so, in order to clue people up, should we talk about how we met? Oh god, yeah, if we have to. It's embarrassing. It's not that embarrassing. Usually, well, it's actually quite embarrassing. When we tell, when we tell people that we met online, most people assume we mean like grinder yeah a naughty sex app but the truth is that it's actually a little bit more embarrassing because we met on gallifrey base a doctor who forum i don't usually say the name <laughs> i just keep it vague but yeah there's a section still exists you can go visit it if you want I visited it today because I wanted to see if there was any new pictures of Jodie Whittaker in her Doctor Who outfit. And was there? No. (laughs) There's one photo of her in the Twelfth Doctor's outfit. Um, Nice. She looks very attractive. I think it's the first time I found the Doctor really hot and I'm gay. Although sometimes Capaldi does do something for me. Anyway, um, on Gallifrey... Oh God, I'm learning things about you today. <laughs> on Gallifrey Base, there's a uh, section which is for, like, grown-ups. Um, Hamish, it's all for grown-ups. <laughs> Doctor Who is not a children's I've, show. I, I've never encountered anyone under the age of 18 on the several years that I was on there. <laughs> uh, yeah, everyone was over 18. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I, I, I can't remember exactly how we started talking. 
Um, you had a huge crush on me. But yes, I had a huge crush on you. The first photo of yours that like really made me go, oh wow, he's the one, was a picture of you playing the trumpet. <laughs> uh, yeah, hidden talent. I can play the trumpet very badly. But I just thought it was really adorable and endearing. And um, I remember coming on very strong and being like, oh my God, when are we getting married? And it was a little bit strange. But we did meet up and uh, we met up a week week before, but then the week after we went to a Doctor Who convention in Swansea, which is as glam as it sounds. It was was fun. Um, I got to meet a bunch of people, and it led to all kinds of things. Um, big finish, my big finish plays, and a marriage between us a few years later. Um, but one of the things we have mentioned before is that despite that history, we, um, don't really talk about Doctor Who very much. No. No, it just never feels... We'll, we'll talk about it when it's on. Yeah, we, we watch it. But that's it. The conversation we have post-game, so to speak, is... What do you think? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was great. <laughs> fun time. I had a fun time. I really like Bill. Bill's great. I don't think I've seen you watch an episode you really hate. Um, I don't hate that many of the... Like the new ones. Um, well, I know one new one that you cannot oh. cannot sanction the buffoonery of. Oh god, are we going to talk about that later, or should I go into it now? Let's talk about it now. We're talking about Doctor Who. <sighs> Unicorn and the Wasp. Oh, I hate that episode. Now a lot of uh, people like that episode. It's really weird because I have a thing for Agatha Christie. Like mm. I love Agatha Christie, but that episode and there is one scene in particular that drives me insane. And it is where... Paint me a word picture. Picture the scene. We're at the the end of the episode where the murderer is about to be revealed and Donna is sitting there with a bunch of grapes. And it drives me up the wall because Donna is supposed to be this amazing, compassionate person who everyone doesn't really think much of, but she's so much better than everyone knows. And she's talking about the deaths of actual people, people that she's met. And she's just sitting there with a bunch of grapes going, oh my god, this is great. And I'm just like, that's so out of character for her. And it just ruins the entire episode for me. And it's just, it's buffoonery and I can't sanction it at all. (laughs) Um, It's interesting because even though obviously we had The Runaway Bride, that was the first episode they filmed um, of her season. And I wonder if it's... um, she was written very much in a runaway bride sense, which might make sense in her first episode back, but before then we'd had her instantly be compassionate towards an Ood and like uh, everyone in Pompeii and all that stuff. And she had such a journey. And then I guess that episode is a bit of a throwback. It might, maybe it would have worked better as episode two or something. Yes. And to be honest, I feel like it's somewhere that RTD fell down in that season because it's just so glaringly obvious that that should have been earlier in the season. <laughs> glaringly obvious. It's never bothered me. I'm, I I think the uh, I was, I'm I was... turning into a wasp acting um, 
made me forget that. <laughs> Talking about oh, no, that was also freaking awful. <laughs> also, am I, am I allowed to swear? Yeah. Okay, it was fucking awful. <laughs> it was absolutely awful. And I feel sorry for that actor um, for having been forced to make that choice. <laughs> well, I think one of the things that is universal about Doctor Who fans is we uh, don't tend to talk about the show very nicely and yet it's kind of unconditional love like see I'm the opposite way like I I'm quite good with all of my episodes but uh, that episode just I I hate it and I I will not sanction it's buffoonery okay we've said that three times now I won't well I think it bears repeating (laughs) it's awful it's awful what's your favourite episode New or classic or all together? All together. All together, I would probably say it is uh, the talents of Wang Chiang. Do you think that's better than all of New Who? What put together? Well, you say if if that's your. Well, I guess I'm not asking what you think is the best one. It's the one you're. It's the one you're most favorite. It's it's my most favorite. I could sit down and watch that one over and over again. I would say it's the best. I would say it is the... A little bit racist. It's a little bit racist. <laughs> and I acknowledge that. And choices were made that would never be made today. Uh, but it is sort of the height of the uh, Philip Hinchcliffe era. It's his final episode. And uh, it's just got so much like gothic horror in it and it's amazing and also it's based on like the Phantom of the Opera uh, which is uh, one of my favourite stories of all time so (laughs) how can I not love it? Well actually let's talk about that now so when I started visiting you because we were very long distance um, I was in the UK and Justin was in the moon Australia. And neither of us even lived in, like, cities with airports or anything. Um, oh, come on, I didn't live that far away from the airport. Three hours. That's, there's nothing in Australia. Yeah. I lived closer to an airport, and I considered that nowhere near an airport. Um, so, when I started going over, essentially what we'd do is just sit and watch TV together, because I wasn't going over to Australia to see the country I was there to see you and you showed me a bunch of things and one of the things that I found out is your massive passion for Phantom of the Opera yeah in all of its guises which I find interesting which was your first was it the musical it was the musical my dad is likewise obsessed with it and he had the the original London cast recording and uh, it would just be always on in the car um, and I grew up loving it. In fact, one of my birthday presents when I was, like, six was to get tickets to go see it, because my great-aunt is also in love with Phantom <laughs> of the Opera. Um, and, uh, is one of, possibly one of the greatest nights of my, of my childhood was going to see this, uh, horror rock ho- opera musical. Some people consider Phantom of the Opera hot... Phantom of the Opera to be a bit of a hot mess. Do you think that? Or do you think it's genuinely high art? I think that's... that. 
I want to be the cool person, but <laughs> yeah, I I unabashedly love it, and I <laughs> I constantly am singing the songs, even if it's just in my head, uh, <laughs> and it's just it's perfection to me. It's See, really I saw Love Never Dies, the we don't talk about that, sequel that's... to it. Before I saw Phantom of the Opera, because I got a four pound ticket to see it, and uh, it was hysterical. <laughs> and did you want your four pounds back at the end? No, we were surrounded by people in the audience who were like <sighs> looking very upset with how much they'd spent, and me and because uh, we had a friend who could get really cheap tickets, totally legit above the board, and we went to see a bunch of strange London shows I never would have anyway. Like, that one, and we also saw the Spice Girls musical, and both times we had an amazing time. And I couldn't understand... Well, I could understand, but I could... I think part of the reason they were both critically mauled was because of the ticket price. Um, fun fact, Love Never Dies bombed everywhere except Australia, where it was actually really popular. (laughs) I wonder what it says about Australian tastes. Uh, it's an awful, <laughs> awful place, so I can't say that it's a good thing. <laughs> um, but you like all the different versions, and... I do. Recently we watched uh, the Lon Chaney one, and did we watch Phantom of the Paradise on the same day? Uh, if we didn't watch it on the same day, it was very close together. Because Phantom- you showing me Phantom of the Paradise is one of the things I'm most grateful for in our marriage. Um, it's tremendous. I only happened on that by mistake, actually, because I, well, it was a mistake, but it was a happy chance because I had just bought myself a DVD player when I was uh, 17. Uh I got my first job and literally with my first, like, three paychecks, I bought myself a new TV and a DVD player. Uh, and then I was in the Target, uh, DVD section, and there was this DVD of the Phantom of the Paradise. I was like, I don't know what this is, but it looks like it's Phantom of the Opera related, and I need to have it. And <laughs> I took it home, and I fell in love. It's your favorite film. It is actually my favorite film. It's so good. For people that don't know, um, Edgar Wright said once of it because I think it's his favorite film. He said that. Rocky Horror Picture Show got the cult status it deserves, and it's great. But Phantom of the Paradise is objectively a better made film. Um, it's got that. It's got a similar kind of tone and energy, um, and great songs and weird visuals, and it's. Uh, it, I'm humming. I don't hum Phantom of the Opera songs very much, but I'm. Always kind of going, we'll remember you forever, Eddie, um, etc. Um, actually, if people read my webcomic, Dead India, the reason why there's characters called Winslow, Swan, and Phoenix is because those are the three main characters of End of the Paradise. Anyway, so when I came over to your house, you also tried to get me into a few other, other things that you're passionate about. And I did the same. I made you watch all of the Dark Knight films because Dark Knight Rises was coming out while I was in Australia and I wanted to see it and you hadn't seen any of them and I made you watch all of them. 
I think I did the same thing with The Hobbit. Which I don't... These films aren't I things like, no, I'm super passionate about now, no, but... I don't think I've ever seen... The Dark... No, I've never seen Batman Begins. You made me see The Dark Knight. I actually did make... I have a very distinct memory of us buying, like, a twin pack and watching Batman Begins. And, uh... Maybe I've just blocked it out of my memory. <laughs> I think you might have. It's quite long and it's quite slow. And it's got Katie Holmes in it, so you know it's awful. Wow. That's him being a straight up bitch, like I said, like I warned you about. Um, I also took you to see Scott Pilgrim and Tintin. Scott Pilgrim, yay. Tintin, nah. No. Um, Tintin was a lot of choices. Yeah. But, and so was like, yeah, The Hobbit. There's a lot of films where I can't really fix the small problems I have with it because there's like a big choice happening that I can't... Like, Hobbit shouldn't have been three films and Tintin maybe shouldn't have been a weird <laughs> Robert Zemeckis Polar Express nightmare. Um, I still think it's kind of fun, but you like Scott Pilgrim. Yes. And um, anyway, when I came over, you showed me my very first episode of Charmed. Mm. And one of my all-time favorite TV shows. This is your all-time, one of your all-time favorite TV shows, and I think I I think we're on season five. We ju- we finished season five. We've been watching it for a few years now, and well, we no, we started it last year. I you watched you watched one episode with me in Australia, and I couldn't get you into it, and so I convinced you. I lulled you in a false sense of security because I showed you Buffy, which you loved. Yes. I showed you Angel, which had Cordelia in it. <laughs> yes. And then I said, well, we'll have to move on to the other WB supernatural drama, Charmed. Uh, and it's been a journey for you. I, <laughs> I will admit that. I just, I, I'm so face blind to like everyone in it. There's so many like just all the love interests are exactly the same height and are so tall and so bland and boring. The faced. casting director clearly has a type. And just there's so many everyone that they cast to be the handsome guy is just the most boring man in a boring beige suit who just like borings every scene and just ugh. but that said um they had norman reedus as a love interest <laughs> in the last in the last couple of episodes in season five so don't you wash your mouth out my that casting director made some choices some different choices okay the thing i like the show for is holly marie combs uh absolute queen queen of everything as piper who is so above everyone else in the show acting wise she makes such good choices it's like she's do you think she's better than Shannon Doherty yeah is that bad she's fine but I just think Holly is able I mean I agree but she's able to make a line that's in no way would it ever occur to someone for it to be like memorable or funny or charming or whatever her just way of acting is so fun and watchable she's great and also i like watching it for bizarre guest stars who just like amy adams is in it 
Yeah, I do. I do enjoy when uh, I know that a guest star's coming up that you're gonna like, like uh, James Hong. James Hong. That was or beautiful. Dwight from The Office. Um, uh, I Ron knew, Perlman. I knew he was in that episode, and I just like look over at you, like another one of your friends would look over at you, going, <laughs> "Is he gonna realize? He's gonna realize? Oh my god!" Um, and yeah, no, that that's that's something nice for me. Ron Perlman was in an episode where there was a demon fight club and the villain was a flying knife. And (laughs) for a while, my pinned tweet on my profile was the most bizarre seven seconds of a television show I've ever seen. (laughs) Like, the special effects are nutty, the acting is bizarre, but... We are just about to start season six, and there are going to be some choices this season that I think you're going to love to hate, and I'm so excited about this. Well, Justin and I don't tend to watch many modern TV shows that, whenever people say... involve baking. Well, (laughs) or time travel. Um, When people say, oh, have you watched... Like, blank, 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 all of these brand new shows that are critically acclaimed and everyone's talking about. I'm just like, um, sorry, I'm still, like, on season six of Gilmore Girls. Because <laughs> every time we have dinner, we watch an episode of one of our shows. And we've done, like we said, Buffy, Angel, then, uh... We did. Charmed. We did Charmed. We've done Ab Fab, sort of, and a season of Kath and Kim. And now we're on Gilmore Girls, and we're almost finished that. Um, and that's another one that you introduced me to. Yes. And I just wonder if, like, why do we ex- seem to exclusively watch these uh, decade-old shows with primarily female casts? Well, here's the thing. Because for as long as I've known you, you've never really lived somewhere... And we've never really lived somewhere where there's been stable uh, television reception. So we've really relied on <laughs> That's true. DVDs and Netflix. And I wonder if this is going to change because we're about to finish Gilmore Girls and we'll soon be finishing Charmed. And we just got Sky installed. So when it's I'm like. I'm very excited about it. I love it. It freaks me out that I can watch shows on TV. I can go back to recording Hollyoaks. Yeah, that's great. Um, <laughs> I will not be joining you for that. Um, but yeah, I just I, I it, it's something I do want to ask us about because I think one of the shows on the horizon that we want to watch is Golden Girls, and I took, I guess this isn't a very deep question, and everyone in the w- world has solved it. But why do you think these shows with strong female leads um, and ensembles? are so popular with gay boys. Better minds than I have uh, have grappled with that and have never come up with an answer. Because I can't... There's, like, the only show I can think of which is, like, a gay show that we were interested in watch was Please Like Me. Um, Oh, come on. I used to be obsessed with Queer as Folk, the American series. Yeah, but I just... I wonder if... Because there's not very many shows... Fun fact, Queer as Folk US was the, 
was the TV show that gave me the courage to come out to my parents. Fun fact, Queer as Folk UK, I sometimes think is the reason I stayed in the closet for a few more years. I watched the pilot on Channel 4, uh, OD, when on demand. When you were how old? Oh, okay. I was, was going to say, because like, that years. came out like like 99, you I just like watched 8 years old. I just watched the first episode on the on-demand thing, and I was so annoyed by every character and disgusted by it, and so, like, it was so irritating to me. You and I had different perspectives. That, like, I just didn't want anyone to ever think, if I said I was gay, that they would think I was one of them, and I'm not like, I'm I'm not a not like one of those gays kind of gay anymore, but... I still think there's something about Queer as Folk which is intentionally obnoxious. You have... you Yeah, you used to have a I'm not one of those... You were so not one of those gays. Like, obnoxiously so. <laughs> yeah, but I think... I mean, not to throw it back onto the world, but I think there's not many ways to realise... There's only like a few... I think that's basically quite common. And I think it's internalised homophobia and um, I'm at peace with that. Now you've just jumped headlong into it. You love so many of the LGBT things in culture. Well, I'm going to talk about... I'm so proud of you. I'm going to talk a little bit about some of them after the break. Let's go grab a cup. It's the middle part of the show. And fun fact about me and Justin, we don't actually drink tea and coffee. Um, We're more of a squash family, um, which I've heard from my American and Canadian friends is not really a thing in the same way it is here. Um, Thank you all for listening. Um, Please rate, review and subscribe on iTunes or your podcasting app of choice. Um, I'm recording this after I've recorded the rest of the episode, so I'd like to give a shout out to Graham Waller, our audio overlord and master of the sound waves, and the person who did our amazing theme music. Um, you can find uh, more of his music by searching for Glitter Wolf on iTunes and Twitter, uh, a excellent synthwave uh, duo. Um, really cool stuff. Um, I He also does the music for all of the podcasts that we are doing together, so he's definitely uh, something we're a fan of. Um, I'd also like to talk about our sponsor, which is, as always, Beastly Beverages. Now, sometimes people give me criticisms for um, getting as excited about Christmas as I am so early. November 1st or 2nd or whatever, I'm just like... Christmas lights up, I start listening to Christmas albums, I'm very festive. Um, but the reason I think it's important to talk about now is Beastly Beverages does fandom and fantasy luxury hand-blended loose-leaf leaf tea and tea-related paraphernalia. The business is queer-owned, all ingredients are organic and are fairly traded, and almost all products are suitable for vegans. And we talk about them a lot, but I think when you go to the Beastly Beverages website, it's sometimes quite tough to make a decision. So why not not make a decision and order an LED wooden house advent calendar. 
Start each morning of December with a hot cup of, lu- of soothing luxury tea. Each little wooden drawer contains an individual tea bag with something a little extra, uh, something for something a little extra on Christmas Eve. Um, yeah, it's an advent calendar, um, which is amazing looking. Um, it's wooden and light up, and each drawer contains a mystery tea, so you don't actually have to make that choice. Um, it costs £40, and it's definitely worth it. It's a big, reusable, hulky bit of wood. Um, and if you want to order it in time for the season of Advent, you should do it now. Um, yes, it costs £40, and if you want to get free delivery on that, you just have to use the sponsor code BEVERAGEBEAST. All one word, capital B's on B, beverage and beast. Um, that's BEVERAGEBEAST. And you can get free shipping on that item. So, without further ado, let's go... Oh, no. See, when I do this on my own without Jade, I mess up completely. If you want to get that, you should go to basicallybeverages.com. They also have a Patreon, Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, Yeah, so they ship worldwide. And that's, once again, basicallybeverages.com. Sponsor code Beverage Beast. Next week we'll have structure, order, things will be back to normal, I promise. Uh, but until now, until then, let's get back to the show. And we are back. Um, in the first half, you started trying to uh, drag me out for um, being a self hating gay. Um, one of the things I really hated. Um, I guess before I met you, and before we... Well, definitely before we were married, uh, was RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, I had a pretty bad experience with the LGBT society at university. Um, and I associated that show a lot with them. And in general, just kind of like, unwoke white gays who uh, <laughs> would just copy anything they saw on that show. And it took me a lot of, like, uh, soul-searching to eventually want to watch it with you. Because you were watching it. Uh, yeah, so... I had seen some... I mean, I saw all the clips on Tumblr. Uh, but I didn't really watch it until I moved here and we had Netflix attached to the television and I could just sit down and watch it all. Um... So I came into it fairly late. I came into it after season... So season six had aired, and then I watched it in between season six and season seven. See, I remember watching, I think, season four or five as it aired via, like, naughty internet links because I wanted to keep up with um, people around me. And that was I, before I lived here. yeah. Because I remember watching one of the seasons, and but it was like because I, I had to watch it illegally, and this is how I've re- pretty much cut off a lot of shows. Is the weekly search to find a link was such a nuisance to me that I just kind of gave up, and I was already getting annoyed by the LGBT society, and I I just I was annoyed with it in general, and the show is definitely a problematic fave. Um, Kind of increasingly less so, but then there is something to be said about uh, Rue and, like, 
Um, RuPaul's Drag Race is fucked up drag, <laughs> to quote Jasmine Masters. Um, there's certain things you can say about it, but it is very entertaining and definitely the best of the elimination reality shows. And we get very excited by it now. I don't know. I did watch the elimination on Project Runway today and oh, there was some drama. Yeah, but I just, I appreciate that Drag Race kind of started as like a parody of those types of shows, like America's Net Top Model. Yeah. And now it's like leading the way. And I think one of the things that you have noticed over the course of the series is season one, two, and three are a mess. Like, those are some messy queens. They, not in terms of their styles and looks, but they are at each other's throats. They don't care about how they're presented on social media yet because it doesn't quite exist in that way. They are, they, all of them still have beef with each other. I would still say season four. I'd I'd chuck season four in with Yeah. Because there is some drama. It's like real drama. It's, they hate each other. I mean, obviously there's lots of queens that like each other, but some of the issues that happened in those seasons are still like all over Twitter and they're still fighting. Whereas, and also about those first few seasons, nothing gets explained to you. No one like tries to they just use all the drag lingo and all of the kind of slang and stuff. Um, whereas modern seasons, you get a real sense that one of the producers have said, okay, have a discussion about Stonewall and where Derek Barry dived. Um, <laughs> or, oh, talk about the AIDS crisis. Um, and like, it's be- I appreciate it because they have a much bigger audience now and it, you know does they're kind of acknowledging their responsibility a bit more but sometimes i do miss a bit miss the mess well i know i think they've always done that but i think in particularly in season nine it was literally we need to talk about stonewall whereas before it was like uh kelly mantle actually has a really good story (laughs) of where they are uh, where she's trying to do her makeup and the producer is trying to get her to talk to uh, Vivacious about her childhood. <laughs> and Vivacious has this like horrid story about how bad her childhood was. And then the producer's like, Vivacious, ask Kelly what, what her childhood was like. And Kelly's just like, mine was fine. My parents loved me. And she's like, can we please stop talking? I'm trying to do my makeup here for a competition. Yeah, it's... um. I would say that Drag Race is its own beast. It doesn't quite represent what I like about going to see queer performers. Um, like, my favourite live performer in gay clubs is David Hoyle, who has the... In Drag Race standards, has the worst makeup you've ever seen. It's just basically acrylic paint pasted on... He's always got, like, the cheapest wig half on, and he sings off-key songs with a cigarette in his mouth. And it's so emotional, and, like, I when I saw him um, uh, last year, last October, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Pete Burns had just died, 
And so David sang this like croaky off key rendition of Spin Me Right Round Baby on like piano. And like it was genuinely heartbreaking and weird. And I don't think that atmosphere quite translates to the show. <laughs> it's very polished and very overlit. Um, but that, and like all, all the kind of drama on Twitter and in the fan base is, it's so different, I think, to the scene. Have anything to say on that subject, Justin? I just like the dresses. <laughs> that is true. I do like the, I do like the look challenges the most. I just like I just like when they go make a dress out of hair, but that was tall. <laughs> that was tall. But I'm okay. Cheat Raja, you're a queen. <laughs> um I I've always said that the one thing I would like to change about Drag Race is at the end, they've tried various ways to choose the final person, and sometimes it's a lip sync, and sometimes it's just, like, Rue decides of the top three which she wants. Um, and they do these big grand finales, which are, like, filmed live, um, and the choice just always seems like whichever Rue thinks will be the best at the job of being the winner of last season of RuPaul's Drag Race. And my change would be, I think in the finale, it should be like a drag night, and it should replicate the actual atmosphere of what going to see these queens live is like. And basically, each of the finalists will have like a 10 minute set that they, like, a space of time that they have to fill with whatever they want to do. I mean, they, they, they've started to sort of start moving towards that with, I think the, so. with the songs that they have to... They get their own special song that's been written for them. Mm. Um, that happened in season seven and season eight. Yeah. And then they but had a sync have... off. But they wouldn't... Yeah. My, my, my pitch is that they could do comedy or... But, one of the things that... So, the last winner, Sasha Velour, spoilers, um, wasn't quite a popular choice because during the season, she never won a challenge on her own. Um, did an undeniably great lip sync and then uh, in the finale and then got a lot of shit because she was using props. But makeup and costumes are props. And... I think if it was structured with you get a 10 minute slot, you can do whatever you want, treat it like you would in the real world. I just think that would be a better way of choosing a winner because I really like the videos I've seen of Sasha performing live before Drag Race where they're not meant to be funny. You're not meant to be kind of like snapping and going, yes, they're just like really emotional pieces, which is the kind of drag I really like. Um, that's just my little change I'd like. I see, I'd like it to be like Survivor, where <laughs> all the eliminated drag queens become part of the tribal council. And at the end, they have to vote for the one of the final two. That would bring the mess back. And that would make, <laughs> that would bring the drama. That's how Survivor works, isn't it? Sorry, it's been years since I've seen Survivor. 
But That's I'm pretty okay. sure that they keep all of the the eliminated contestants around and put just put them in a nice hotel while the people in on the island still suffer, which I love, <laughs> by the way. So they turn up and they're like all nice and clean and so I've just been at the hotel. Um, but yeah, that's what I'd like to see them do. Speaking of queens, there's been a few things that we've discovered together. So quite a few of the, the geeky, I mean geeky, but passions we have. I've said that I introduce you to, or you introduce me to. I've, I've introduced you to a lot more because I just think I'm really stubborn and go, I'm not going to like that. And you've just given up. Well, I've not been able to make you watch a Godzilla film. I've not made you been able to watch any of Super Sentai or... And that's probably never going to happen. I'm sorry. It's not. <laughs> I just... I'll do anything for love, but I won't do that. <laughs> I've taken you a lot. I've taken, I've dragged you to a quite a few, uh, Marvel films. Yes. I also showed you all of Flight of the Concords, and I think you probably chuckled three or four times. And See, I'm, fa- I'm not, I'm not a person who tends to like laugh out loud. Yes, you are. Not at that kind of show. You laugh very loud and for very long times. One of just Justin's defining traits is his bizarre giggle fits. <laughs> where he can just solidly laugh for like ten minutes on and on and on about something so small. I and mean, then he's just like laughing because he's laughing. My favourite one of those is somebody actually got a video of it. Uh, I was at a friend's house. A Doctor Who friend's house. And... Uh, they had to... Someone had broken a glass and they had to vacuum out the glass. And mm. then as they were taking the vacuum out, the vacuum broke apart and everything felt like... All, all the bag came out and fell on the floor. And for 20 minutes I was just laughing. <laughs> and there is a video of me just like rolling on the floor, like in fits. I got tears streaming down my face. And then it just pans over and then there's my friend with the dustpan. <laughs> just like sadly brushing up all of the dust that's fallen out of the vacuum cleaner and then it comes back to me just like rolling around again as it's probably one of my favorite videos of all time of me if justin ever watches me play like online games if i die he'll just kind of go ha it's not always ha sometimes it's oh baby i'm so sorry (laughs) yeah but it always comes it's not always rude sometimes i'm compassionate sometimes (laughs) um I'm still gonna. I'm gonna get you into something one day. But some of the things we've discovered together <sighs> actually comes from David Hoyle. So David Hoyle used to have a Channel Four show called Divine David, The Divine David Presents, um, and would often include uh, <laughs> videos, and I mean literal cassette tapes, which he calls videos, sent in. He'd include those on the show, and one of them we became obsessed with. It was the Compost Song by Lorraine Bowen, and I think we're going to include that song as the outro music to this episode. Um, Hopefully she doesn't sue. <laughs> she won't, because... Can we mention her? She'll be very, she'll be very happy that we mentioned her in this podcast. Lorraine? Um, yeah, it's a song about a compost... And it's beautiful. Um, And then we became obsessed with all of her songs. She had, I think, five albums? She had four at the time. Four. 
albums on uh, Spotify, and we listened to all of them, and we became obsessed with, like, the artistry of her actual songwriting, and in some song, like, some, she's a very good singer. In some songs you can really tell, oh my god, she has trained talent, and she uses it for, like, end of the pier, like, novelty songs. But some of them are, like, they're all great. And we have our favourites. Anyway. We'd be, it'd been like a couple of months of us genuinely obsessed with Lorraine Bowen. And sometimes... That's six months, yeah. I was... <laughs> uh, if I, I would always be listening to her working. And if I wasn't listening to her, Justin would come into my room and go, Um, this isn't Lorraine Bowen. Yes. And anyway. One day, I was on Facebook. And one of the trending topics was Lorraine Bowen. And I thought, okay, that can't be her. That can't be. This weird, obscure, like, novelty act that we like on Spotify. And that's because she had been on Britain's Got Talent and sung The Crumble Song, which has become very, very famous. And she got the golden buzzer and went through to the final. And Justin... So I saw that on Facebook and Justin was out. And then Justin came back from work and I came downstairs and Oh, said, I was at work. I had been out and I was not in a very good mood because I'd had to walk all the way to Tesco to get a DVD player. Oh, right. I was, just, I was just not in a good mood that day. So you walked through the door very pissed off and I said, Justin, I am not overstating, but everything that we know about the world has now changed. And I was not in the mood to hear that. So I was like, what the hell are you talking about? I took you upstairs and you took one look. And you agreed. I played him... My bad mood disappeared. Lorraine on Britain's Got Talent. It was a very bizarre few weeks because I, we did spend a little bit being like, um, we liked her before is cool. Check out the compost long. And oh yeah, that we, stuff. we were total hipsters about it. And she became quite, uh, you know, a little bit of a celebrity. Um, she went through to her, whatever, her semi-final. She didn't get through, unfortunately. Um, and then a couple more weeks later... Uh, she posted on Facebook, Hello! I've, I'm performing at the Glastonbury Festival, but I don't know where to stay. Does anyone know of a and b or a friendly house I can stay at? And my parents live ten minutes from the Glastonbury Festival. And I replied, We live ten minutes from the Glastonbury Festival, we would love to have you. I then had to ask my mum if this was okay. And... Your, so ma- your mother understood. Your mother we understood. drove down to Glastonbury when we weren't expecting to, to host our obsession, Lorraine Bowen, in our house. And yeah. she performed for us in our kitchen. She arrived in polyester and pearls. She was everything that we wanted her to be and more. And now we consider her a friend. We have an invitation whenever we want to come to go and stay. And... We've gone to see her many times since. Yeah, we haven't been down to see her. And every time we see her, she's like, you've got to come down. And we're like, yeah, I know we will. And then we never do because I'm awful and I don't like going anywhere. Um, Part of my scare... um, Part of my fear is that the two things that she's very famous for making is crumble and... uh, What's that other... Marmalade. Marmalade, which I don't like, either of them. And, I, and she's like, oh, I'll make you so much crumble and marmalade. And I think, oh, uh, <laughs> okay. So we're probably going to tag her in this. And she's going <laughs> to listen. Well, last time she came down, she said, 
when she came down, she said that she's starting to become allergic to Crumble, which is her dark secret. Don't give it away. <laughs> anyway. She's gluten intolerant. That's been one of the things I've really loved about our marriage is... What, meeting the rainbow? <laughs> <laughs> yes. But also just living with someone who... I think the most important thing when you find someone to spend the rest of your life with is not to find someone who shares all of your interests, but to find someone who you can find new interests with and who can respect each other's passions and you don't like a lot of the things I like and I don't like a lot but I don't like a lot of the things you like I I cannot I don't like procedural like murder mystery stuff oh god yes I love them I don't like knitting I mean I love knitwear but I can't do knitting um and you don't even listen to Box Not Included because we talk about all the stuff that you have no interest in. Yeah, is it bad that I don't listen to it? Uh, you'll listen to our one when we do a podcast. Um, but there's so many things that we do share. Like, I don't even know whose one it is, but every year our Christmas tradition of watching Home Alone, we... It's yours. Oh. But <laughs> you like it. I, I, I do like watching Home Alone every year. Um... We try and watch all the Harry Potts. Uh, That's just because we've both got um, a raging uh, obsession with Lucius Malfoy. <laughs> it's the only reason I'm watching Star Trek Discovery. Um, we, you know, we have all our favorite. We watch Matilda a lot. We watch Adam's Family Values. There's things that I think we can quote pretty well off by heart. Um, and one of the things that I definitely like more than you is video games. But there's a few that we can sit down and play together for hours on end. Yeah, like, that, that's because sometimes I'm a gamer. <laughs> Hamish, I'm a gamer now. Uh, I'm, I'm, a fa- I'm offended that you say I don't like video games. I play Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> I play... Uh... Name one more. Well, I don't want to... I don't want to step out your toes because I know what, which games you're about to mention. Um... Uh, sometimes I play Zelda. Well, yes. You you like a Zelda, so I, I we found... I love me a Zelda. Zelda is just like, woo! So Hyrule Warriors is our oh, yes. game that it's we can play for hours. We like a hack and slash. And we can just sit oh, next to each other and slash. play that forever. Um, and I just, I think that's that's what's important. Just like being able to find new things together... And not have any judgments. Oh, that's still dead yet, it's fine. <laughs> um, well, I think that might do it for us. Um, if you have any idea of shows that we should add to our, our list of female ensemble early noughties uh, shows that we can add to our ongoing marathon, then please send them in. Um, Justin, where can people find you on social media? Um, well, they can find me, uh, on Twitter at a, uh, a, at JGS Ridley, uh, where I often update, <laughs> uh, my job. I'm actually really bad with Twitter. It's really bad because I used to work in social media, but that was my job and this is my life. Um, you did a naughty thing on Twitter once, didn't you? We won't talk about that now, will we? <laughs> 
Justin yeah. posted a wrong tweet to... I posted a personal tweet to a work Twitter feed, and uh, it was actually complaining about work, so... <laughs> uh, but not in a bad way. Uh, it was in a funny way. Everyone thought it was funny, uh, except for the journalist who found it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you live, you learn. <laughs> You're never going to do that again. Well, no, I don't work in social media anymore, so... <laughs> Um, well, that's not true, but just internal ones. You can find me on all the th- all the usual things, Hamish Steele. You can find Jade if you want to get in contact with them on uh, <laughs> Jade Oxford Rose on Twitter. Um, if you want to get in contact with Box Not Included, we are at Box Not Included at gmail.com and at Box Not Included and Twitter. And we have a Tumblr as well and our Facebook group, Box Not Included, which uh, is a great place to have chats and meet like-minded individuals. Um, we will be back together next week, Jade and I, and we will be talking about all kinds of things. We'll probably be doing a catch-up. We're going to be talking about the MCU. And I think we'll probably need to talk about what the hell is going on with Hollywood this year. Um... But until next time, I am Hamish Steele. And I'm uh, Justin Ridley. (laughs) Uh, I won't be here next time, uh, but do leave a comment uh, if you liked having me around, just because I like it for my ego. We will be doing our Doctor Who marital marathon soon, a who's-bans. But until next time... Don't let anyone box you in.